Welcome to Unwarp Reality, a podcast designed to help us see not through, but around the looking glass. As we mentioned in episode one, our goal is to help unpack the manipulation and bias in mainstream media reporting. If you're curious for more background, please listen to episode one, where we explain a bit more about the motivation and goals for this project. By the way, I'm Liz, a cybersecurity specialist, cultural anthropologist, and world traveler calling in from New York City. And I'm Becca, a psychologist, leadership coach, and social critic coming to you from Chicago. It's great to have you here. If you want to know a little bit more about us, you can check out the bio page on our substack, Unwarp Reality. In this episode, we will take a brief look at bias and political reporting by picking just a few representative examples that help illustrate the way information gets skewed in this arena. Yeah, and some of it is pretty blatant. If you were to read a lot of the reporting uh, in the mainstream media over the last few years, you would learn that everyone who votes Republican is evil, while those voting Democrat are on the right side of history. And regardless of where you fall in the political spectrum, we all know that there are good and bad people voting on both sides. What we should expect from the media is not a pejorative assessment, but rather an unbiased account of what the issues are, what is at stake, and the results. Okay, so we'll start with something that happened recently at the end of October 2022. I'm going to read you two different headlines. Try to listen for some key words that might give you a cue as to the opinion of the article's author. Headline one, breaking news. Brazil ousted President Bolsonaro and elected the former leftist leader known as Lula in a rebuke of the far-right incumbent. Headline two. Breaking news, Brazil's Bolsonaro fails to win a second term in power after former leader Lula wins in the runoff of the presidential vote. Okay, so one thing that immediately stood out to me uh, was the phrase rebuke of the far right in that first headline. And you didn't say, but I'm I'm going to take a stab and guess that it came from The New York Times. Um, (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) so when I hear that word rebuke, I think of, you know, an angry person pointing out someone else's flawed behavior. You know, you did something bad. Now you deserve my rebuke. Um, In that first headline, I'm also getting some information um, about the party association of both of the candidates, Bolsonaro, uh, far right, Lula, leftist. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with giving that information. Um, It's factual and, and helps to understand the context. But when you combine that with the word rebuke, it's quite clear, um, you know, which of those positions is right and which one is wrong. And um, it's, you know, calling it a rebuke uh, isn't necessarily even accurate because there are quite a number of officials who were elected to other, uh, sorry, other positions who were and, and are Bolsonaro supporters. Yeah, totally. And when we compare it with the BBC headline, which was the second one, Okay. Bolsonaro fails to win a second term in power after former leader Lula wins in the runoff of the presidential vote. That's so straightforward. It provides the reader simply with information about what occurred, leaving open space for the individual to assess the implications by exercising their own judgment. 
And I just want to go back again to that word rebuke, because the term implies a strong message against a position like you were just saying. However, this election was a runoff, meaning that there were a significant amount of people who initially voted in favor of Bolsonaro's position. And in fact, the final results of the runoff were not a landslide. It was a difference of about 2% of voters. Yeah, so there we go with this word that has a lot of implications behind it um, that doesn't necessarily match up with the reality. Um, So let's stay with the New York Times for a moment and um, look at some headlines from the midterm elections in the U.S. So I'm going to read off two and again, try to consider the way that uh, the word choice used um, affects your opinion about these results. So here's the first one. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto pulled out a win in Nevada, ensuring Democratic control over the Senate. And the second one, Republicans seized the majority in the House, effectively giving the party a veto on President Biden's agenda for the next two years. Wow. Okay, so I'm hearing a lot, but importantly, what stands out to me is information about differential positions of power and information about which of those outcomes are positive and which are negative. What I mean by differences in power can be heard in the choice of the words pulled out a win compared to seized. Pulling out a win implies somebody who had to struggle to get power, which she did, winning 48.9% versus 48% of the vote for her Republican opponent, But then we have that compared with this term seized associated with the Republican victory in the House, something that is typically associated with the use of force and not necessarily a rightful victory. Yeah, exactly. And there we go again with the judgment of which of these results is positive and which is negative. So we've got the scrappy Democrats, the underdogs pulling out a win for the good guys to ensure control over the Senate. You can almost see the Field of Dreams style montage for that win. And on the other hand, we've got the evil ogre Republicans seizing control. So for them, that victory is not earned. It's taken. And they're going to use that ill-gotten power to stop the good guys from making progress. Right. And again, we don't care what side you're on politically, but it's quite clear which side the New York Times is on and which side they think you should support if you are a moral human. We deserve better from those tasked with educating us about what happened Theirs is not the role of moral arbiter to tell us how we should feel about it. Right, exactly. We don't need them to tell us what to think about it. We just need them to tell us what happened. And lest our listeners think we're just picking on the New York Times, and believe me, we could go on and on and on with this. Um, But here is a quick example from the USA Today. Yeah, so sticking with the midterm elections, here's their take on it. Headline. Americans take a stand for decency as the GOP red wave turns to dust. (laughs) Okay, wow. Um, Yeah, there's another one. I can almost see the trailer for that new epic, pitting good versus evil. Right, unreal. It reminds me of the old Ten Commandments with the overacting and Charleston Heston. Oh, good one. Good one. Also, Charlton. (laughs) Charlton, yeah, yeah. Charleston Charleston Chew was a good candy bar. That was good. That was good. So the thing that I, I feel like is also kind of absent is an acknowledgement of the fact that as advocates for the party supposedly opposed to the infiltration of religion and politics, they're stealing heavily from biblical imagery here. 
<laughs> okay, well, um, that hypocrisy is a whole other can of worms, which we can definitely look into at some point in the future. But for today, just to recap, um, when reading about politics in your favorite sources or just those that you're stuck with, try to pay attention to the subtle or not so subtle ways that word choice and information included or left out is being used to manipulate your assessment of or your emotional response to the information. Right. And particularly consider how many of the sources clearly let you know how you're supposed to interpret the result in terms of is it good or is it bad? Okay, well, looks like we're out of time for today. So thank you once again so much for listening. And we hope you continue to join us as we explore ways to help us unwork our reality. Until next time. Bye. Bye.